Ahoy, Joe Doyle here. As a former bricklayer turned property investor, I would not be where I am today if I didn't first learn the art of business. Nowadays, a big part of my life is helping other tradesmen grow their business and create wealth by sharing my knowledge, insights, and experience. Welcome to the Tradesman Survival Guide podcast. All of the strategies discussed in my podcast are taken directly from my book, The Tradesman Survival Guide, which is available at www.joedoyle.ie forward slash TSG. TSG, of course, being Tradesman Survival Guide. How are we all getting on in quarantine? Uh, um, we're on a lockdown day. This is only a kind of lockdown plus 22 hours. So uh, I've been on unofficial lockdown maybe a week or so, whereas uh, Leo came out last night and says, right, we're having a full-on lockdown. And to be honest, I think it was a it was a good call. Um, we can't take any chances. We simply cannot take any chances in a time like this. Simple as that. It's just not worthwhile taking any chances. So I've been having some thoughts there <laughs> over uh, since all this thing all this thing uh, arose. I've been thinking about it, and I'm wondering what way it's going to affect. The economy i'm wondering what way it's going to affect businesses and different things like that so i said you know what i may as well come out put my stick in the ground and tell the world what i think um lies ahead for the economy and when i say the economy i'm talking about the irish economy um obviously i i'm not an economist but i've been in, involved in a boom i've been involved in a bust been involved in a little bit of a boom now we're on the edge are we are we going into a bust again right so uh let me explain to you where all this is coming from, right? And if anybody wants to, you know, hit the out share button, I mean, we'll share this message to people and uh, hopefully it will give them a little bit of certainty. Um, it'll give them a little bit of understanding about what's coming down the line. I've been literally having pyjama day all day. Just, this is, I've took over my sitting room. This is my small sitting room in my house here. I've turned it into my office. I'm having awful trouble with that light because it keeps reflecting back here. I'm trying to figure out how to fix that, but... Uh, up in here, I've been reasonably functional. Closed up a property deal, made some moves on another one. Um, stuff like that's been going on. As you might have seen there, I mentioned on the page earlier on, my friend died earlier on the week. He he uh, he's always been a victim of all this sort of stuff. But I'm trying to maintain some kind of normality in the whole uh, the whole situation, for want of a better word, right? So look, let me explain to you here, guys, right? If you don't know me or you've never watched that, actually, you know what to do. Let's let's do something here for the crack, right? If this is the first time you've watched any of my videos, right? Press press a one in the comments, right? If this is the first time you've watched any of my videos, I'm going to just make a note here. We'll have a bit of crack here, right? Press a one in the comments if, uh, if it's the first one of my videos, right? Um, and the reason why I say that is it's important for me to... Uh, one if unknown, right? Just writing this down here. It's important for uh, <clears throat> it's important for people who don't know me to uh, have a little bit of an understanding as to where I'm coming from um, with regard to this stuff, right? So my name is Joe. Obviously, that's that's the name of the Facebook page, and I'm from Clondalkin, and I'm an entrepreneur, property investor, business owner, and I'm also the number one business coach in the country for tradesmen, sole traders, and anybody who works with their hands, right? And I'll tell you how I arrived at where I'm at right now and I'll explain to you the reasoning why I think what's coming down the line is coming down the line. So I started off as a bricklayer and just like any other 
bricklayer. I was a tradesman. Started working with my dad's company um, when I was like 14 or 15. Left school early after the junior cert, became a bricklayer. Um, then I bought a house when I was 18. And I wanted, I decided I wanted to be, I wanted to become a property guy. So I bought a house, then I bought another house, and I was just kind of tipping away the own kind of bits and pieces of uh, bricklaying work and working with my dad, you know. Then I left, uh, I left, I stopped becoming, I, I left, I didn't like being a bricklayer. I just said, right, that's it, out of this here, and I set up my own building company. So I was, between these things, I set up a building company, and we were doing insurance claims, and we'd done about a million quid's worth of work every year for the 10 years that I was in that company. So I went from bricklayer to building company owner. Then I went from building company owner to specialist company owner. I specialised in one thing and I made a few quid at that. Um, all along, I was buying houses, right? So I was buying a house, buying a house, buying a house. Wouldn't say I was a full-time property investor, but I was I was buying houses the whole time, right? Um, along came the crash in 2006 slash 2007, 2008. And at that point in time, I owed three million. I owned three million quid's worth of property, and it completely crashed. Sorry, I owed three million on the property I owed, and it completely crashed. And the property was worth a million quid, and the banks wanted their money back. Right. So I spent a good few years fighting bankruptcy, the threat of bankruptcy, and it really bogged me down. And over time, I I kind of figured out. I fit, I navigated my way. I owed this money to different banks, and I. I negotiated and I sold off. I had some houses taken off, taken away, taken off me, and some are sold. All this, all this sort of mad stuff that, that you're dealing with the fallout of that, right? But on the back end of that, then I sorted that out, and when I look back, it was my 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 business had kind of my I, I'd got an absolute serious education in the business. I didn't realize how good I was at running my business because I was just head down running my business until I start speaking to other business owners who were who were bricklayers and carpenters and then became builders. And I realised that they hadn't a clue what you were doing, a lot of them, in comparison to what I'd been able to do. And I was just like, wow, these guys need to know this. There's lads, like, there's lads running the same business 20 years and they have nothing to show for it. And it's crazy, you know? And that's why then I basically fell into becoming a business mentor to these guys. And I just, I, I'd left the building game at that stage. And the reason why I'd left the building game is because I kept buying properties. Um, well, as soon as I got my together i start buying properties again and today now i've got just under 11 million quid's worth of property and you know life is good for me right so i've got my property business and i've got my business coaching business i've got about 250 clients all over the country and because i don't look like a business coach and i don't wear a suit and i say too often and i just i'm just one of the lads right like people I don't, I don't fit the bill of somebody who does what I'm doing or who knows what. I don't fit the profile of someone who does what I do or knows what I know, right? That's that's being honest. But to me, it's always kind of fairly simple, right? It, it's, a, it's a logical thing. And I'm, I'm blessed with that. Like, everybody, I believe everybody in the world has a superpower. And my superpower is I can look at a business and figure out within a couple of minutes what exactly is going wrong. So if you're a painter or a plasterer, a plumber, any kind of tradesman are running any small business, right? And you aren't making the money you want to make. I can, I can fig, I will know within literally less than 10 minutes of talking to you what exactly is wrong with your business and what you need to do. And I've turned around literally hundreds of businesses at this point for 
all tradesmen and sole traders all over the country, right? So that's the business end, but on the back end, I've got a basic understanding. I mean basic, like, um, I'm not an economist, I'm not, you know, haven't been to, I didn't study all this sort of shit, but I know the basics about how this works, right? And I'm gonna tell you what I think is coming around the corner, right? So bear in mind, this is what I used to say to people at the time, and you know, the story got a little bit old. Like, it took, when I was 23 years old, I'd, I'd made tw I had made two million quid when I was 23, right? So it took me like from kind of officially 18 to 23 to make two million quid, right? And then when I was 27, it was all gone, right? Gone, like, right, because of the crash. And really, the, the couple of million that I'd made was made on the back end of um, being able to get cheap credit from the banks and being able to buy houses that were just going up in value the next day, right? So to be honest, a monkey could have done it, right? And when I look back now, it was obvious that it wasn't gonna end well for me or anybody else that was in it because I was making money on the house, I was renting the house, I should have sold the house and took the cash off the table, but I didn't, I was just getting the order and I was borrowing and borrowing and just building and building. So I wasn't taking the cash off the table. Basically, I was gambling in the casino all night and winning and winning and winning and winning. And I knew one day, I was going to stop winning but because I was all in I couldn't go back I couldn't back out at that stage right so knowing what I know now I'm uh, 35 years old now knowing what I know now looking back it was bound to happen right so what I say to people is I've made a couple of million quid I've lost it I've made it again and more so for me now I've proven to myself on more than one occasion that I know how to make millions of euros right but I haven't proven to myself that I know how to keep it because the first time that I got it I lost it and the second time I got it which is now the jury's out right we will see how we go over the next one I believe I believe I have myself covered correctly to be honest over the next while and I believe that the way in which I conduct my business all the time protects me against these type of things that's that's going on right so let me just explain to you where where my head is at so that's my background that's my story okay so um if you know if you if you've heard if you watch some of my videos you probably know a bit of that and that's grand right and if you've never seen or watched any of my videos as i said just press it press a one of the comments we'll get to know each other i'm sure some kind people here will share this video and i'll send you uh i'll send you something to help you out with your business right um so let's look at the last time right there was a boom in 2001 two three four Pretty much from the time the SSA, SSIA has come out, which I think was 2004, there was a boom up then until 2007. And what happened was um, the banks were lending money. They were lending 80% mortgage, 90% mortgage, 92% mortgage, 100% mortgage, 105% mortgage, 110% um, mortgage because they were given different things, all sorts of stuff, right? And the interest rates were lower and getting lower and lower and lower all the time, right? So it was fueled that the, the speculation was fueled the last time by people's ability to use their family home as an ATM machine. So basically they could just remortgage and remortgage and remortgage. Now I'm gonna say something here that's very controversial, right? Give dumb people money and they will do dumb things, right? So if you give a guy that's been on 30 or 40 grand a year for his whole life, if you give him, thank you for the loves there guys, yeah. if you give a guy that's been on 30 or 40 grand a year, 
for his whole life and you give him the ability to access a hundred grand, he's gonna waste that. End of story, right? That is the absolute long and the short of it. And that's what happened. Speculation was fueled. Doodads, as they were called. The apartment in Bulgaria, as you always use the example. The, the mobile home. The this, the that. The brand new car every year. You know, it was, just, it was just crazy, right? And we all knew that the music was going to stop one day because things were getting... The market was getting hotter and hotter and hotter all the time, right? So, eventually it was going to implode, right? We, we heard these terms ghost estates you know because you could buy a house off the plans and before it was even the work started it was worth 50 grand more right so they just kept building and building and building then all of a sudden things stopped and we got left with all these um additional units right the credit crunch happened because what was happening in ireland was happening on a grander scale everywhere else because People are just speculating and speculating and debt became a commodity. So when you borrow, when you borrowed money from the bank, that was a mortgage to you. It was a lifelong commitment, but that, that mortgage became something that could be sold and it just all became fake and it escaped from reality. Just the reality was just too much, right? Then it crashed, right? The biggest issue that happened myself and so many other guys in the 2008 call it crash, right? Was that it came out of nowhere, right? And everybody thought, there was no recession in people's living memory, right? So in people's mind, there was no recession because the guys that, like, they couldn't remember the last recession. And, oh, that's that don't be talking negative, don't be talking negative, right? So when the, the crash happened, people wouldn't listen to, uh, <clears throat> when the crash happened, the banks wouldn't listen to the borrower to say, listen, I can't pay the mortgage, my, I've lost my job and we'll just go and get somewhere else because money was so freely available all the time. The banks didn't acknowledge that we'd hit the fan, right? They had hit the fan. The banks didn't acknowledge it, right? And they put everybody through the ringer. They, they repos like, the biggest hit I took was a property that cost me 685 grand. The bank sold for 85 grand, right? Do the numbers on that. And then they made me pay the money back, right? So the bank were basically just repossessing properties selling them, not working with anybody. They didn't give two right? Because they, they didn't know how to deal with it. It was just all nonsense. And then all of a sudden then, a few high profile cases come up and people realize, okay, stuff, this this is a mess out here. We need to fix it. So then what they, they did was they took all the, the bad loans and they put them aside into another bank. So they put them into NAMA. So basically it just cleaned up the existing banks, but it was just bullshit as well, right? Then all the stuff that was in NAMA, um, they sold off to the vulture funds at fractions of the price and then the vulture funds just sat on them prices quadrupled and the vulture funds made a killing and the people of the country were, were left in, in, in ribbons right when the banks ran out of money the government gave the banks more money and rather than saying here there's 100 grand that Joe blogs out or Joe Doyle even maybe you know a bit more than 100 grand needed to clear me but let him off the hook the banks got the money from the taxpayer from the government which was the taxpayer and they sold the loans so they got the money they sold the loans but yet they still crucified joe public for for the money right and there's still people dealing with this sort of nonsense today so <clears throat> the the problem then was bankers were hated builders were hated developers were hated all this stuff and we had like you know eighty thousand extra units left in the country right then Things start moving, things start improving, different people, um, 
the economy got going again, right? The, the worldwide economy got going again, as it does because this is cyclical. But because all of the people who, because all of the people who were, uh, who are able to deal with this stuff, the bankers, the developers, the builders, the investors, because they were hated, there was no political will to help these guys get going again. So I'm just recapping on the la what happened the last time. There was no political will. So the 80,000 surplus units that were in the country, they didn't just disappear overnight. It went from 80 to 75 extra, from 75 down to 70, from 70 to 65. So basically the, the oversupply started to get consumed by the natural growth of the population. And nobody had the balls to stick their neck out and say, hey lads, we need to stop giving out to the bankers. We need to stop giving out to the builders. We actually need these guys to start building houses, right? Because if we don't, look what's coming down the line, right? And what came down the line? A massive house, a massive uh, undersupply, a massive shortage, right? But the shortage in the market at the minute, it's not a general shortage co uh, contributed to the whole market. Most of the shortage of houses at the minute is is concentrated on what end would you say? The rental end, right? And particularly the lower end of the market. And the reason being for that is when the central bank was asleep at the wheel during the last recession, they blamed it on one thing, irresponsible lending, irresponsible borrowing. So how did he fix that? Right, boom. Let's tighten up the regulations on lending, which meant then, poor Joe Bloggs. And the guy that's on the labour, fuck him, he's grand. It's the poor that's on 30 grand a year, right? The guy that's on 100 grand, fuck him, he's grand. The guy that's on the labour, fuck him, he's grand too. It's the guy in the middle, right, where he's earning just too much money to qualify for social housing, but he's not earning enough to get him a decent house or a decent mortgage. He's not earning enough to borrow for a decent house. So what happens then is he finds himself in a situation where a mortgage for a property where he's living in would cost a thousand quid a month, say, but he's paying two grand a month. And the reason why he's doing it is because he's locked out of borrowing that amount of money to buy that property because the central bank clamped up and says, no, we can't have the repeat of the last time. And he tightened up the rules. So every time they bring in something to cause a, every time they bring in a measure or a precaution, there's always something else. It's like, you know, that game whack-a-mole when you're out in bread, you press the things and they pop up. Well, when you press one, something else pops up. It's not as if you press them all and they all stay down. There's always a repercussion somewhere else, right? So now we're in a situation where there's a vast number of people, but they're on half payments or rent allowance, right? And they're, they're my tenants. That's who I specialise in, right? And their grand state pays for them. And then we've got the guys that are earning, you know, 120 grand a year in the household, two people working. They can get a decent mortgage. But when there's one, when the, when the chick's at home with three or four kids and the dude's out working and he's only earning 30, 40 grand a year, they're getting squeezed, right? And that's directly from, uh, as a result of the tightening up around the lending rules, right? So bear all that in mind, that's from 2008 up to 2020, right? And now we're here today and the shit has hit the fan big time. So it's after taking me a few minutes to get, right? So 18 minutes later, I'm giving you a background on myself as to what, where I'm coming from with this stuff. I'm giving you my understanding of uh, of the last recession and the recovery, right? Now we're in a situation here now, right? Where every single person wants to walk. Every single person is positive. Every single person... Is, is feeling good about themselves, right? Because they remember the boom. Sorry, they remember the crash. And they're not going back there. And they're working as hard as they can. And they're a little bit more clever. And they're not they're not spending as much money as they are now before the last crash, right? 
the government and the banks know well that the go that the people bailed out the banks the last time. So we need to bail out the people this time, right? And that's why the government is saying like that's why they're now straight off and I'm happy to say I was part of the negotiations with the government to get mortgage holders ninety days mortgage free, which is basically happening from probably next couple of days onwards we're all 90, 90 days free. Did I did I get ninety days free for the whole country? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Did I propose it to the minister from the outset? Absolutely did, and I put a compelling case as to why we should do that, and I had a number of discussions with him and his office, right? So I'd like to think that I've done my bit for the people of the country in this instance, because I feel that's what needs to be done, right? So we're in a situation now where the government acknowledges that we need to do something to bail out, the, to help out the people. They've went to the banks, they said, stop taking money, give them a break. The revenue commissioners have already said that they are not going to charge penalties or interest for late payments of any taxes that's due, right? Um, you can get 350 quid a week straight away um, if you're laid off. I don't know the under, I don't know the ins and outs. Now, I've got an expert on my training program, on my business program tomorrow evening to talk to my lads about that. So, uh, like, if there's a top-down agreement to help, right? There's a top-down agreement to help. And to be honest, I feel kind of, not that you'd say this much, but I, I'm actually proud of the job that the government have done so far in maintaining the trust of the people. There's, there's time, listen, there's no shortage, we'll sort this out, right? And we're coming into this, this catastrophe, right? This financial dilemma, this potential uh, crisis, right? We're coming into it this time with 2008 fresh in our mind, right? Um, so... I don't think there will be. I don't think any ignorance will will play. Uh, I don't think ignorance will play much of a part in it. Whereas last time round, ignorance of the facts, the banks didn't want to know that we were in trouble the last time. That's what caused it. So, what's going to happen? I feel what's going to happen is we've got the corona going on, which is horrendous. Um, you know, as 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 you 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 I mentioned earlier, uh, my friend died earlier on this week. Um have to officially wait for the autopsy like but he went into hospital with chest problems and all this sort of stuff and he's dead 24 hours later right? so it's catastrophe i don't know how many people this report on the news this evening that has dead right that has died and it's it's terrible right and hopefully the social distancing and all these these measures that he brought in is going to handle that okay but really what i want to talk about is how is how long is the recovery going to be from after um we get a handle on this when the virus is gone how long is the recovery I predict, now, I'll give you my prediction and I'll tell you the base for that, but I predict that the recovery is going to be swift and I predict that it's going to fuel a boom and I predict that shortly after that, it's going to be a recession, right? So I predict that we are not going into recession now. The statistics will say, actually, let me just get the this. <clears throat> the exact definition of a uh, definition of recession right so when you go here definition of uh, recession right i should have got that before i jumped on here lads um a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activities are reduced generally identified by a fall by a fall in gdp in two successive quarters so what that means is when the gdp drops for two quarters in a row we're in recession right which basically means you can't confirm that we're in a recession until six months after the dip, right? But here's the thing. 
there's going to be an economic downturn, right? Because everybody's sitting at home now and everybody is not working, right? So, you know, what we class a recession is officially an economic downturn and they won't know for six months if it's a recession or not, right? But I don't feel that the corona is going to last that long. I think they're going to, I was looking at some videos there, it's exponential growth and then it drops off and, and China has already shown signs of recovery unless we get a second round of it, right? I feel that no matter what happens, the government aren't going to stop, aren't going to allow us to stop spending, right? I think the governments are going to print money and gonna, they've already been doing it. They call it quantitative easing. They print the money and they give it to the banks to lend out, right? So there was this term that I've never heard before, helicopter money. I actually heard uh, David McWilliams um, read about it. Someone sent to me, David McWilliams saying helicopter money where they just drop money in. There's all this stuff going around the internet of Trump giving money to uh, to the Americans and all that. And lads, just a quick question for you there, if you don't mind, right? If you find this useful, can I ask a favour? Would you would you just hit the share button there? Maybe we can help somebody out here, right? So, so here's what's going to happen. The corona is going to be dealt with either in a week, a month, two months, whatever. Whenever it's going to be dealt with, it's going to be dealt with, right? And the economic recovery is going to be very, very quick after that, right? And here's the reason why, right? Way back before Europe, all the, all the money in a country is produced by the central bank, right? And every country had its, has its own central bank. And before we were in the euro, every central bank would operate independently, right? So what happens is when there's a boom going on, right, and everybody is spending, the central, the government says, well, we better sort this out. And the central bank who acts on behalf of the government, they sort it out by interest rates. So if people are spending too much money, they raise interest rates. So what that means then is that your loan that you were paying 8% on to the bank, well, you're paying the bank 8%, 3% is for the bank, and then the other 5% is for the central bank, right? So the, the banks borrow the money off the central banks, and then they lend that to us, and the interest gets split between us. The interest that we pay gets split between profit for the bank and interest that the banks have to pay. You got me on that, right? So the problem that we had in the past, right, was that one country could be booming and another country could be on its knees, right? So one country could have like 10% interest rate, you know, trying to curb, trying to curb the, uh, the boom, right? Could be massive interest rates, massive inflation, and another country could be down in, in, down in the dumps, right? And the neighbouring country could be trying to trade with each other, but their currencies would be so off that they couldn't, it just wouldn't make sense. Things got very expensive, and that's why you see the, uh, you know, the, the euro is strong against the dollar, it's weak against the sterling, and all this sort of stuff. That's what. And to be honest, I don't understand it that much. I don't need to understand it. I understand enough for what I'm doing, right? Um, but then the EU came in, right? And what happened then with the EU was we then had one central bank. So all the central banks of each country then report back to the EU, which is the European Central Bank. So you might know, you might have heard the term tracker mortgage. So what happened with tracker mortgages was the banks, I, I, borrowed, I, I would uh, borrow money from a bank and it would be like 1%, a 1% tracker mortgage, right? So what that meant was the bank borrowed the money from the central bank, the European Central Bank, the ECB, and they paid the, they paid the bank, the Irish bank paid the European bank uh, interest based on the European, the ECB, the Europe, the ECB rate, right? European Central Bank rate, whatever that was. So they would lend me and call it a tracker mortgage. So my mortgage was like a 1% tracker or a 2% tracker, depending, right? And what that meant was 
the Irish bank that was lending the money had a 1% or a 2% margin on the money that they were lending from the, the ECB, the European Central Bank. And as the European Central Bank put the money, put the rate up and down, my repayment went up and down as well. So I might have been paying 3% to, the, to my bank. And that, that on a 1% tracker, I might have been paying 3%. So 1% of the money, I paid 3% interest rate, 1% of that went to my bank, and 2% went to the central bank. You got that, right? So now in Europe, the ECB, the European Central Bank, is controlling the flow of the money all over Europe, right? And the last time that interest rates were rising was because the German economy was booming and or the Irish economy wasn't booming, right? So the German economy was absolutely out the door. It was in a boom. And Ireland wasn't, right? So the European Central Bank raised the rates and we were all getting crucified because we actually needed lower rates. But because we're all tied into this common market, common currency, we had no choice, right? So the European Central Bank rate was at 4% in my living memory, my business memory. Then it went down to 3.75, 3.5, and it kept going down, right? So whilst the Europeans, whilst the central bank, be it the European Central Bank or the Bank of England Central Bank, or as it's called in America, the Federal Reserve, whilst they are hurting interest rates to curb overspending, right? So if the overspending is too much and the economy is getting too hot, they raise the interest rates so there's not that much money floating about, and it slows down the spending, right? Now, when the, when the country is in recession, they lower the interest rates so it just lets more money come in. <coughs> so, if you're at 4% and there's a bit of a recession coming down the line, well, then you can drop it down to 3.5% and then you can drop it to 3% and 2.5% and 2% and you can just keep dropping it down, right? But here's the problem. What happens when you're in recession, right? Or you're on the verge of recession and the ECB, which is the main lender, right? ECB current rate, current rate uh, what happens when you are in recession or you're about to go into recession and the ECB rate is point is, is 0 0.5 what is the overnight so it's 0 0.5 right um, it's actually saying 0 0.4 here right so effectively the interest rate is zero so if the way to deal with um, if the way to deal with overspending right which is called basically a boom if the way to deal with overspending is to raise interest rates the way to deal with underspending is to lower them but when you get to zero you can't go anymore so when you're at zero the only way to stimulate the economy the only way to stimulate the economy is to inject more money in and i'm going to give you one other term here right what is oh google is a great man what is quantitative no qualitative isn't that quantitative easing quantitative quantitative easing okay so bear in mind guys, we're lowering the interest rates to, we're raising the interest rates to cool down the economy because things are getting too expensive and there's too much spending going on. So we're raising the interest rates, now we're on the opposite side of that and we're lowering the interest rates, but we've lowered them all the way down to zero, right? And there's been this concept going on over the last number of years called quantitative easing, right? Now let me read it out here. Quantitative easing is a monetary policy whereby a central bank buys predetermined amounts of government bonds or other financial assets in order to add money directly into the economy. Does that make sense? So basically the government print the money. Now the last time they were giving it out to the market and they were giving it out through the banks. This time 
I feel that they're going to do it. They're going to give it to the people. And they're already giving it to the people in terms of, yeah, you can get 350 quid a week if you're laid off. Straight away, boom. And now, I don't fully understand the concept, but I'm having a conversation with my expert on it tomorrow during my training session um, where they're paying the money to businesses, to staff that they don't let go. So if you get let go, you can claim... I could be wrong on this. If you, if, if you get let go, you can claim the 350 from the government. But if you don't get let go, the government's going to pay that money to your employer anyways. So it encourages you to stay, stay in. So really what I feel is going to happen is I think if the shit hits the fan and the, con the country or the, the EU goes into recession, I think they are going to give lots of money to the people. The people are going to get spending. Inflation's going to go up. Boom times are going to be happy. Everybody be spending. And that's when we're going to be in trouble. So I think that we're going to be in trouble two years after this is sorted. That's my prediction, you know. So don't be concerned, is my opinion. There's, there's, there's too many clever people that have 2008 fresh in their mind to allow us to go back down that road. That's my opinion, right? And I think there's great opportunities out there. Um, I've got a couple of properties that I'm looking at next week. Well, I'm not physically looking at them. I was out looking at some yesterday. Um, I think I'll probably, I will probably be the only bidder. I think that these guys aren't gonna. These guys aren't gonna be able to show the properties. People aren't gonna be doing viewings. There's a couple of properties where I've done my research on. I think I'm gonna be able to go in. I'm gonna be able to grab a bargain there, you know. Um, so that's my whole thing. Um, I I always like to view myself as a as a glass half full type of guy, right? So it's important for me to check myself and say, Joe, you know, do you like my t-shirt? I wore this t-shirt specifically for this. It's one thing, it's only one thing we need to do, lads. Just don't quit. That's all, just don't quit. Um, I like to, I, I, not, I, I am a half glass full type of guy, right? Well, I need to be careful of that because do I just want to see the sunshine through the clouds all the time or am I being a realist about it? Like, the property, so I, I, I'm heavily invested in properties, as, as, as you can probably gather. Um, typical property we buy, 200 grand, 250 grand. 250 grand value, wouldn't pay 250 for it, but everything we buy is kind of 250, 200, there or thereabouts, right? Um, so when you Google, I'll just go here, Google the great man again, uh, average house price. Dublin. So when you Google the average house price in Dublin, the latest figures show the typical cost of a home nationally was 255 and 366 in Dublin. So while the average house price in Dublin is 366 grand, I operate at the level of 200 grand. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm operating at the lower end of the market. Um, I have a particular way of doing things, I have a particular way of seeing the world, right? And the tenants that I rent houses to are people that are, are never, unless they're, the people I rent houses to are people that, unless their financial circumstances drastically change, they're never going to buy a house, right? And the only way they're going to get their own house is the, if they get it off the council, and the council are about 15 years behind at this stage. So I just buy houses in Clondalk and Tala, Ballyfermot, if anybody's selling a house, give me a shout, I'll, I'll make you an offer on it, right? Uh, Clondalk and Ballyfermot, Tala, Fingless, that's my, that's my kind of area, right? Um, and they're all 
200 or less than 200 grand, right? I've no houses to rent before the fucking PM start flying in as well, by the way, right? But that's what I, I buy. So I'm confident that that end of the market is not going to go away. I don't buy apartments. I buy three-bedroom houses with a front garden and a back garden. I don't buy these poxy duplexes with this and that and all that sort of stuff. I don't buy apartments, although I do have a couple of apartments, but I don't buy any more. I buy a house with a front garden and a back garden. Um, I'm very boring in what I do in my uh, investment strategies. Um, I don't get carried away. I don't speculate. I keep it very, very simple. And the thing is, what what people don't understand that maybe follow me or people that I'll be doing deals with or whatever else, people that, what people who differ from my opinion, I'll say, right, what they don't understand is that I started my business in the boom. I got slaughtered in the recession and I had to start again. So I'm a recession baby, baby. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, everything that I'm doing, like every single thing that I'm doing is, uh, it's all based on surviving a recession, you know. Um, is it good, is it bad? I think it's good. Me missus thinks it's bad because I don't, I won't buy anything flashy around like that. I was going to buy, I was going to buy a new new Jeep there a while ago and I was like, yeah, let's do it. I took it for the test drive and I'm like, no, not doing it. Not doing it. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Would I love a brand new Jeep? Of course I would. Would I love a big mansion? Of course I would. I'm working towards it, right? I've got 11 million quid's worth of property. I still don't believe that I can afford to go out and sp spend this sort of money because I'm still in the, the growing phase of uh, of my business and the growing phase of my portfolio. I'm on a mission to make 100 million quid and uh, I'm actually very confident that I'll do it, to be honest. Um, I know that I won't be able to make my 100 million doing what I do now unless I change a few things, but I know I'll get, I'll get close to it over the next little while if I can... If I, if I call this situation correctly and if I can continue on this level of growth that I'm currently on for the next, say, 18 months, um, and then the next recession happens, I'll play up in that. That's, that's the long and the short of it, you know? Um, but look, I'm out there like everybody else. Um, I'm, I'm busting my nut every day of the week. I'm an absolute workaholic. Like, it's, this is technically work to me now. We said, are going to watch a film? I'm like, yeah, 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 be in a minute. I'm going to make a little video here, right? Um, but this is, this is my gig. This is what I do, right? Um, I love what I do. And I, I just think that if we can take a if we can take a view on these type of things that doesn't involve listening to the media, doesn't involve listening to your ma who was probably an absolute legend at rearing seven kids or five kids or two kids on welfare, right? Brilliant. In that sort of situation, she's the woman you need to listen to. Not when you're trying to get a hundred million quid and you're buying properties and stuff like that is the ma was going to listen to. Your mate that's on 30, 40, 50 grand a year, not one to listen to in the same way the bloke that not to have, that has a new woman every weekend you don't want to be taking relationship advice from him if he says all oh, women are bitches, right you know because maybe he's the problem right so the reason why i'm saying that sort of stuff is like i i just follow a pattern follow a pattern buy a house put a tenant in there that's going to treat it like their absolute home leave them alone treat them with respect buy another house and i always do it on the basis that i put the money in do the deal Remortgage it back, get my money back. Put the money in, get my money back. Put the money in, get my money back. So I can basically keep going forever. Whilst I'm quite impatient about getting to where I want to be, I was driving down the road one day and uh, I was just thinking to myself, like I'm 35 now, so I can think to myself, holy f I can actually do what I'm doing for uh, another 35 years. 
I can do what I'm doing for another 35 years a week. That's that's interesting to think of like that, you know. So I'm thinking like, and, and the reason why, I, like, I, I, my whole mission, right, is to create, create, uh, create wealth that future generations can add to. So what I'll do is, guys, I'll leave you with that, this last one. So very quickly before we let you go, um, my whole concept is to create wealth that future generations can add to. Create wealth that future generations can add to. And then I get the, the odd one that says, oh yeah, but what if you give the houses to your kids and they just blow it? That's not the point. I want to create a whole dynasty. I want to create a whole like multi-generational business that future generations can add to. I said to Linda there a few weeks ago, like we've got, Linda has a nephew, he's eight or nine, and my nephew is a, young, a year younger, and I'm like, I need to start brainwashing these guys now and telling them that uh, these need to come and start working for me, right? So my whole plan is to just keep growing and growing and growing, set down, keep doing what I'm doing, basically. Don't change anything. Don't change anything what I'm doing. Just keep growing and growing my, my property uh, my property portfolio. Set up, set up a few ground rules and bring family members in and let them go and let them go and let them go. Pretty much so. Like we've got like 50 units now. It's 11 million quid worth of, worth of property there. Um, pretty much like the, there's a decent foundation there. So the next 50 units, that's when the... That's when the... You know, and, and to be honest, I want the all. Like, did you, I hear, I was saying something, but I don't know how true it is. Ronaldo bought an island, right? So that his family can stay in while the corona's going on, right? I'm sure it's a bit of a but like, I fucking want every bit of that. I want the private jet. I want all that big swanky shit. I want the, the opportunity to buy an island. I want every fucking little toy that's imaginable out there, right? That everybody has that's making big money. But for me, I know that you won't get there. If you start doing that now, so I'm quite conservative. I keep my, I keep my, uh, I keep my outgoings minimum. You know, if I stood next to somebody, they wouldn't know that I do a lot more business. They wouldn't know that there's a bit more to me than than meets the eye, and that's 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 the way I want it. You know, but I'll tell you all this sort of stuff, lads, from somebody who's just basically, you know, left school after junior start started off as a bricklayer. It's not rocket science. The only thing I'm not more clever than you guys. Um, but I definitely am 100% more determined than most people watching this, you know. So that's the thing I'll leave you with. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much for being here this evening. Stay safe, look after your family, and I'll see you all at the top. So, folks, that concludes another episode of the Tradesman Survival Guide podcast. Don't forget that all of the tactics and strategies discussed in today's podcast are from my book, The Tradesman Survival Guide, which is available to buy online at www joedoyle.ie forward slash tsg tsg being of course short for the tradesman survival guide